Hello, dear friends. It's time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF. We're so glad to be with you today right there in Madison, North Florida, South Georgia, anywhere this broadcast is reaching you in the United States of America and around the world. We're glad that you have joined us today as we race toward the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior in Bethlehem, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to take time to begin to get hold of the real, real core issues of our faith that cause us to rejoice in the Lord always, as Paul said in the New Covenant. And again, I say, rejoice. Hallelujah. We're going to be talking before we begin to move into those Christmas teachings from the Word of God. Uh, We're going to talk once again on Thanksgiving, a pattern for Thanksgiving. We're going to just be talking about the significance now that Thanksgiving Day is over as the holiday. Every day in the life of a Christian should be a day of deep gratitude unto the Lord. You know, someone said the greatest Thanksgiving killer is when we Thanksgiving Day is over and we begin to not think about all the blessings that we have producing gratitude and gratefulness, but we start thinking about all the things we want to get for ourselves. So we want to Put that in a balance today. Hallelujah. If we can. I just want to, I I want to say into this listening audience today how thankful I am for you. If you're a return listener to Let's Talk About Jesus, you're part of our broadcast family and it is a growing family around the world because of the World Wide Web, and we welcome you today back again. If you're a brand new listener, we pray that we uh, we will be a blessing to you. That is our prayer. If you are not a Christian today, in this uh, Christian Holy Day uh, that's coming up called Christmas, <laughs> not Xmas, but Christmas, hallelujah, we want you to know why, that we have the joy of this season and the peace of this season and the power of this event and how it can not just change your life here, but it can change your eternal destiny. Praise God. Talk about things to be thankful for. I want to read this pattern for thanksgiving and thanksgiving found in Psalm 100 once again. It simply says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, and that he hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Last week we talked about passionately praising Him, a joyful noise unto the Lord. You know, you don't have to be a great singer. You should sing your very best for Him like the little drummer boy 
song says this season. I, I play my best for him. I want to do whatever I do uh, and put my best foot forward for Jesus Christ today. And whatever I do to do it heartily as the scriptures teach unto the Lord and not unto men. You know, we need to remember when we enter into worship in our worship services, if you're a praise leader, if you're a worship leader, that we're not singing to the congregation for their applause. We're singing to God. Hallelujah for his favor and his blessing and all of his goodness to our life. We're leading that congregation in a vertical uh, situation. Uh, we're not horizontally singing to an audience. We are inviting an audience as we sing unto the Lord. And, and I love this. I can sing while I'm traveling down the road. I can sing in the shower. I can sing wherever I'm at, and particularly when there's no one to hear it but God. You know, praising Him uh, is kind of in our personal walk, not just in our corporate and collective Sunday morning service is kind of like our our prayer life should be. He said, when you pray, there's all kinds of public situations to pray. But when you pray in your personal devotion, Jesus said, enter into your closet, shut to the door. Why did he say that? Number one is there's no distractions. The cell phone isn't going to ring. No one's going to knock on your door. The dog isn't going to want out. No one's going to try to talk to you while you're talking to God. But no one is going to see this except God. It's between you and God, a time of intimacy. And I believe there should be times of worship just like that, when it's you and God. Hallelujah. So when we do come and corporately, collectively praise God in a congregation, we're not just mouthing the words of a worship leader or choir. We are singing to the Lord as the New Testament taught that we're always making melody in our heart to the Lord. <laughs> and, and even if it's not uh, a beautiful in its tone and tenure, if, if we can't sing like some of the great singers of our day, when it comes from the heart, we can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But it won't be noise to Him. It will be a sweet-smelling savor. It will qualify as a spiritual sacrifice unto Him. The calves of our lips giving praise to His name. Make a joyful noise. I know you can do that. Hallelujah. Praise God. So passionately praise Him with a heart over flowing with gratitude and thanksgiving. We found out that we're to not only passionately praise Him, we're to gladly serve Him in this scripture. Verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness, all ye lands. Hallelujah. It should be a joy and not a job. And it shouldn't just be thanksgiving, but thanks living. This is what it means in uh, the the 12th chapter uh, of the of the book of Romans when it says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto the Lord which is your reasonable service 
And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, which means to demonstrate, exemplify, literally, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. But it begins with a, a response to his mercy by by showing our gratitude, by offering our body, the sum total of all that we are when we offer our body, our soul and spirit are involved because they are residing within this physical body. And when we give our all to Christ, we become a living sacrifice. It is the greatest gift that we could ever offer God. There's nothing greater that would please Him more and nothing more satisfying in our life and fulfilling in our life than to know that we are living a life that is pleasing to the God who suffered such agony and pain on the cross to save us. To wit, the scripture said, God was in Jesus Christ reconciling the world unto himself. When Jesus hung on that cross, that suffering, that dying in our behalf, Paul said, I want you to look at that, to focus upon that, and let that stimulate you to make a full-blown commitment to Jesus Christ and to God the Father. Hallelujah. And to do it willingly. <laughs> Offer to yield up and give up yourself unto God. Oh, friend, amen. It'll just, it, it won't empty you out. It will empty you out of self is all it's going to do. And the Bible said that's the first true prerequisite for following Jesus is to deny thyself, take up thy cross and follow him. This kind of devotion will allow that kind of Christian walk, a devoted, committed walk with God, a true follower of Jesus Christ. And we do it gladly. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, some Christians look like they've been baptized in vinegar instead of water. And God would love us to represent his kingdom as it truly is. For Jesus taught the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness <laughs> it is peace and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We are to serve the Lord with gladness of heart. You know, that's the reason that, uh, that actually the curses came upon Israel when they forgot the goodness of God. They began to compromise and, and, and not serve Him with gladness any longer. Not show that appreciation. Not show that gratitude any longer for all that He had given them. Uh, and the Scripture literally said, uh, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with gladness of heart for all that He has given you, these curses shall come upon you. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Amen. It, it's, it's filled with blessing, but it is also another side to it. And that is, if we don't serve Him with gladness, then we begin to not serve Him 
at all. Make no mistake about it. God doesn't want you to do this with holding back something in your heart, reluctantly serving Him out of fear of the consequences. No, He wants to stimulate you by His love for you, His sacrifice in your behalf and mine to serve Him with gladness. You know, if you love somebody and they ask a favor of you, if you truly love them and they ask a favor of you, many times our response will be, and it should be, I'd be glad to. Pastor Venable, do you, do you think you could help me with something here today? I would be glad to. <laughs> Not I would be sad. Oh no, if I have to help you, I'm going to be really sad. Oh, friend of mine, I saw, I saw someone being very honest about that. It's a brand new four by four pickup truck with the beautiful, big, expensive tires and wheels. And it had a sign on the back of it that they had, had written on it. Yes, this is my truck, and no, you cannot borrow it to move. <laughs> Amen. He didn't want that big, beautiful, expensive vehicle scarred up by pushing furniture in and out of the back of it. So he was honest about it. I, I don't want you to even ask me to help you move. <laughs> Amen. But if you love somebody, it changes everything. And if you're filled with thanksgiving and gratitude, your answer would be, I would be glad to. And when God has that kind of devotion out of a willing spirit, a willing heart, you know, the scripture said, if thou be willing and obedient, thou shall eat the good of the land in the old covenant. God doesn't want robots filled with fear making themselves do what they know His will is. God wants first to captivate us with His love and capture our hearts as we reciprocate love and gratitude back to Him. We offer our all to Him and we do it gladly. That's what blesses the Lord so very, very much. When we serve the Lord with gladness of heart for all these things that He has given us. When they didn't do that, they fell into disobedience, they fell into rebellion, and these curses, He said, came upon them. And the, fa- the root cause of that was the fact that they lost sight of His goodness, His grace, and they became ungrateful and un. Thankful. Oh, friend of mine, God wants to stimulate in us, especially this Christmas season, an attitude of gratitude for all we have in Jesus Christ. You may have lost your job. You may have, they may have quit giving bonuses and you were counting on that bonus uh, to, to help have uh, all the material blessings uh, that you planned for Christmas. But I'm going to tell you something today. You're rich. I am rich. We as Christians are rich because of all we have in Jesus. Amen. We should not let anything um, become so important in our life materially that we don't appreciate what we have spiritually when we have Christ as our Lord and our Savior. So we're to serve the Lord gladly. 
Hallelujah. Let it be a joy and not a job to follow Jesus, to serve Jesus. Amen. And so we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving, making a joyful noise, entering his courts with praise. But we're to come before his presence with singing. <laughs> Literally, one translation says, come before him with joyful songs. You see, real worship from a grateful heart prepares the heart for the word of God. That's why I always say on Sunday morning, let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, because what is happening? We are plowing the ground for the planting of the seed of the word of God. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Listen, in Psalms, and hymns, singing, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, friend, don't just follow the leader. Don't just sing uh, along with the song leader. Sing from your heart to the Lord. The third command is come before him with joyful songs. Another passage says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. <laughs> I can do that. You can do that. Hallelujah. Maybe you'd better enter into your closet to do that so the dogs don't howl. I don't know. We, I, we had a lady that could sing so loud years ago, but, <laughs> but we had to, to sneak and have them turn her mic down, not because of the volume, but because she sung so passionately, but she sung off key. But I'd, I, hey, let me, let me just say this right now. I believe God would rather hear someone sing with passion off key, singing from the heart, wanting to praise God. Not because she wasn't giving her best, she was tone deaf. <laughs> but I believe it was music to the ears of our King. For man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart and the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks, the mouth sings, the mouth says, hallelujah. And in her heart, it was overflowing with gratitude and love. And she sang with passion before the Lord. Hallelujah. Have you noticed in these first three commands, God has said, I want you to be happy. I want you to shout with joy, and I want you to serve with gladness. I want you to come with joyful songs. Hallelujah. New Testament again reiterates that and says, always making melody, always making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. In the great Welsh revival of 1904, it's one of the best documented and best known revivals of all, and certainly one of the most powerful. Over a period of two years, the fire of the Holy Spirit swept over the whole principality and was carried by visiting pastors to Norway, Japan, America, India, South Africa, and Korea, where further revivals broke out. I'm going to just add this to this report. A fire 
begets fire. Hallelujah. At its height, churches stayed open for 24 hours a day with souls praying earnestly to God. Coal miners rushed home at the end of a grueling day to wash themselves and get to the chapel as quickly as they could. Hopeless drinkers and gamblers were powerfully converted and became soul winners. Doubters and atheists were cut to the heart, sometimes physically unable to move until they cried to God for mercy. The effects of this wonderful outpouring of God's power are well known. Many thousands of souls were swept into God's kingdom. Rough pit workers prayed together before their day's work. The horses that pull the carts, accustomed to being sworn at and cursed, could not understand the new kindness <laughs> and clean language they were getting. So they stopped working. They had to re-educate the horses to, 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 to do their job without all of the cursing and the cruelty. Crime fell almost to nothing. Policemen complained they had nothing to do. They were bored. Dance halls were deserted, several pubs closed down through lack of trade, and whole rugby teams got converted and canceled their, their games because they were so caught up in the revival. The man especially used by God in the revival was Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts was only 26, but he was a man of fervent prayer and radiant joy. His personal Pentecost began when God led him to agonize in prayer over the state of the church and his own soul. As the burden intensified, he cried out, Bend me, bend us, bend the church and save the world. He's talking about uh, this bent within us to serve God, being able to be expressed in our daily walk and our daily life. He would weep and sweat until he almost felt he was bleeding. Yet when the Holy Spirit filled his heart, he radiated a relaxed happiness. The Welsh were by nature sober, Bible-based believers. Now Evan Roberts smiled when he prayed and laughed when he preached. One American visitor wrote, Evan Roberts stood in the pulpit and led the music. His face radiated with joy, smiles, and even laughter. What impressed me most was his utter naturalness, the entire absence of solemnity. He seemed to be bubbling over with sheer happiness, like a jubilant young man at a baseball game. Oh, friend, <laughs> I, 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 how can I express this to you today, how vitally important it is to serve the Lord joyfully, to sing unto the Lord joyfully, to praise Him passionately. The Welsh are also a very musical people and worshiped and, and worship God with singing. It was a feature of the revival. As the Holy Spirit moved, it was common to find part of the congregation singing a hymn in rapturous awe, while others were on the floor crying in agony for God's mercy. An eyewitness recalls, and I quote, such marvelous singing, quite unrehearsed, could only be created 
by the Holy Spirit. No choir, no conductor, no organ, just spontaneous, unctioned soul singing. Once the first hymn was given out, the meeting ran itself. There was no leader, but people felt an unseen control, singing, sobbing, praying, intermingled without intermission. Singing was a fruit of the revival. Many of those were powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit, recorded their experiences, especially how they trembled, laughed, and sang for hours afterwards. Evan Roberts himself felt singing to be of massive importance for the release of God's power when a Londoner asked him one day if the revival could ever reach the capital, he smiled and said, Can you sing? <laughs> no, you see, friend, you don't just sing to get a revival in your life, in your church. You sing because you have sought God until He comes and rains righteousness upon you. But believe me, when it occurs, there will be a melody in your heart. Come before His presence with singing. No wonder David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name and forget not all of His benefits. I want to give you today, as we close, an English translation of a hymn by William Williams, which was much used in the 1904 Welsh Revival. Listen to these lyrics, and, and you'll see what they wanted to express unto the Lord in their songs. Onward march, all-conquering Jesus, gird thee on thy mighty sword. Sinful earth can ne'er oppose thee. Hell itself quails at thy word. Thy great name is so exalted, every foe shrinks back in fear. Terror creeps through all creation when it knows that thou art near. Free my soul from sin's foul bondage. Hasten now the glorious dawn. Break proud Babel's gates asunder. Let the massive bolts be drawn. Forth like ocean's heaving surges, bring in myriads ransom slaves. Host on host with shouts of triumph, endless, countless as the waves. Hallelujah. Amen. We praise him, friend of mine, with grateful hearts because he is our creator and our savior, our sovereign king and our gentle shepherd. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it shock your pastor? Wouldn't your pastor maybe shock you if we showed up Sunday morning with praise already bubbling over and not being waiting to be prodded or prompted but giving willingly that that blesses God and us so greatly. Someone said, if praise makes the devil nervous, 
we as Christians ought to give him a nervous breakdown. Hallelujah. Not just on Sunday morning, but every time it bubbles up in our heart, always making melody in our heart to the Lord. Praise God. You know, you can't be thinking about yourself at the same time that you're thanking God for all of his blessings in your life. So this Christmas season, before we get caught up in the commercialization and the hustle and the bustle and the materialism, make no mistake about it. I, I, if someone gives me a gift, I'm, I am very grateful. I love to receive gifts. I love to give gifts, but I have already received the greatest gift that can ever be granted anyone. When I receive God's Son as my Lord and my personal Savior, and today if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, nothing in this world will fill that gaping hole in your life. God has designed you to be filled with Himself. God has designed you with a place in your heart that only He can fill. Maybe that's why you've looked for love in all the wrong places. But today, if you look to God, confess your sin, repent of it, and receive Christ as your Savior, He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man open the door, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. So I pray you will open the door to your heart today. I believe Jesus is knocking. I believe he's calling your name. And you can begin to praise him with us this Christmas season. And come back next week and let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.